Well, good morning and welcome to New Peninsula and our online service this morning. We're so glad that you've joined with us today. We're going to begin our service with a song, a song of worship. So we pray that you'll engage with this. It's a song of surrender and it's grace singing, new wine. It's my privilege now to lead us in the time of prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we've got so many things that we can bring to you today and we're so grateful that you that you are with us and you want to hear everything from us. But just now, this morning, we want to focus on, on the pandemic across our world and across our country. And Father, just now we lift up those who, those who are ill, those who are in hospital, those who are struggling um, both physically and, and mentally. We pray that you would meet them where they're at, that they would seek you in these, in these difficult times. Father, we also lift up those who are struggling with, with business and income. We pray that you would bring peace to their hearts and wisdom to know how best to move forward. Father, we're seeing a lot of division, uh, particularly in our state at the moment. We know that Satan is great at dividing. He's devious at dividing us. Help us as a church and as, as individuals to, to navigate this stuff wisely. Help us to accept one another in order to bring praise to you. And Father, now as we begin our, our new series on Colossians, your word for the church back then is still highly relevant for us today. The situations that they faced is similar to ours today. They faced opposition who challenged their hope in Jesus. They had pressures that shook their faith also. So Lord, we pray as we learn together, would you grow our faith? Would you ground our faith? And help us get excited about the hope we have and the hope that we share in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, g'day. And as we open up our series on Colossians today, Paul's letter to the Colossians, it's fair to say I'm trying to do something a little bit different. Uh, one of the things that's really great about these experiments of online is that you get to do things differently. You get to try things and experiment, um, including trying to speak outside where the dog is, for example. Now, you'll notice to my left, uh, there is a fire. And to my right, there's a lemon tree. No fruit on it yet. But, but that's what I want you to remember today as we open up our series in Colossians. Fire and fruit. Fire and fruit. If you remember those two things and the reasons behind why I want you to remember those two things, then you'll be doing really, really well. Now, it's a bit of a tradition in our family, actually, uh, especially during the lockdown times, is that we'll get a fire going pretty regularly, about once a week, maybe twice a week. And we cook s'mores. Now, if you've never cooked s'mores on a fire, you're missing out and you need to uh, learn how to do this. It's actually an important thing that you need to learn how to do. And, and, and what s'mores are is they're, they're two little biscuits, like the digestive biscuits, the thin ones are the best ones. And, and you get them and then you get your marshmallow, you roast it on a stick and you, you roast it. And then once it's finished, you put it in between those two biscuits. And if you want to be extra special, maybe put a few extra chocolate melts in there as well. You squeeze it all together and the marshmallow is 
uh, like all warm and roasted and all sorts of oozy deliciousness and then you eat it. It's amazing, it's great. You need to get into it if you've never done it before. Now there's an ongoing conversation in our family. In fact, it's a little bit of a heated discussion around how best to roast marshmallows. Some family members suggest that you need to get the marshmallow right into the flame. Uh, you need to get that thing fully alight and then you blow it out and then you put it back in there and you get it alight again and you do that two or three times and then they reckon that that's perfect. Well, well, obviously that's not the right way to do it. Uh, when you're cooking s'mores, patience is rewarded and, and so what you've got to do is you've got to get a nice little bit of warm coals, not a direct flame, and get the coals and you put the marshmallow there and you just roast it really, really slowly. So it's just got a very tinge of light brown, sort of yellow colour on the outside but it's all heated up and warm and oozy and delicious on the inside. Now I tell this story because the reality is that whatever you put in the fire doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a marshmallow, whether it's a fire, bit of firewood or whether it's anything, it changes. Fire changes things. And the reason why I'm using fire as a bit of a metaphor today as we get into Colossians is because that's what we're going to learn as we work through the book of Colossians. Every time we encounter Jesus, things change and they change for the better. I wonder what changes you might like to see in your life today. In those quieter and introspective and more reflective moments, what do you think about? Do you think about maybe there's some family relationship that you'd like to see improved? Or is there an emotion that's out of control at times and you just wish you could rein it in? Or is it something to do with your health? Or, or some other area, but, but if we're really honest in those quieter moments, we can probably all identify areas of our life that we would love Jesus to change. So think about fire as we get into Colossians. Now what I want to do is to read out the first eight verses of Colossians today. That's the, the passage that we're particularly into. And so let me read that out. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 to 8, and it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of, will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossa, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We will always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood grace, God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful member of Christ on our behalf and who told us of your love in the Spirit. It's really important that we understand some of the context that Paul's writing to here, the church in Colossa. So Paul's in prison while he writes this letter. Uh, he's about 100 miles, he's in Rome in prison, about 100 miles away from the Colossa church. Uh, Colossus near um, some other towns that we would have heard about in the Bible, including Laodicea. You can read about that in Revelations chapter 3 and further on in Colossians actually. But the church of Colossia is, is a baby church. It's a new church. 
Uh, it's a church that that's just been planted. The gospel's just taken root. And, and what Paul's uh, saying here in these first eight verses is he's complimenting the Colossians on, on their faith, on their belief, on the way in which the gospel has taken root and they've experienced God's grace. They've encountered him afresh. They've seen the change that can happen. And he also mentions in verse 6 that there's, there's fruit, there's the fruit of the gospel that comes out through the experience of this change. Now, now Paul's never met the Colossian church, actually. He was not the one that planted the church. In fact, it's Epaphras who is mentioned in verse 7 of these first eight verses. And again, uh, further on in the book of Colossians. Uh, Colossians as a town was actually, at this time of Paul's writing, was, was a little bit of a backwater uh, the church, up, the, the town up the road, Laodicea, had become the, the dominant town, the thriving and, and, and the, the town where the populace was and the major trade happened and, and all of those things. But, but Colossae, though once it was a bigger town about 400 years before, uh, relying predominantly on, on wool trade, it, it no longer was. It, it was a town that was in decline. In fact, 400 years after Paul wrote these words, the Colossian, the Colossian town, the, the town of Colossae, would actually cease to exist altogether. So, so it's a relatively small town. It, it's a little bit of a, a backwater, if you like. It, it, it's a, a town that Paul, uh, a church that Paul had never met before or visited. Uh, and yet he's writing these words and he's complimenting them on their faith, on their, their very young faith, but, but affirming what God is doing in them. And, and he talks about fruit. He, he talks about how um, there, there is fruit that is happening and it's true to say that, that in the Bible, in the New Testament especially, and especially in Jesus' teaching, he often uses gardening metaphors. And, and Paul's doing this here just as Jesus did. Uh, whether it's the, the metaphor of the vine and the branches, whether it's a, a metaphor of the soil and the different types of soil, we see again and again Jesus using these garden sort of metaphors and illustrations in his teaching. And so Paul's suggesting to the Colossian church that, hey, you're doing well here. You're bearing fruit. You're seeing good things happen. The gospel is, is doing something really good. Now, the question comes to me is, is, what is the type of fruit that Paul is talking about here? What, what, what is it? What is this fruit of the gospel? And, and we see it all through the book of Colossians, actually, in a very, very simple two-word phrase, in him or sometimes it's in Christ now this is a really common phrase for Paul actually in the book of Colossians it's, it occurs 19 different times in Paul's writings throughout all of the New Testament it, incur, it, it occurs over 200 times in him in Christ Paul is suggesting that the fruit here is the relationship in him the the the, the, the clothing ourselves in Christ so what does this look like to be in him? Well, there's some really obvious things that we could go to. We could go to places of prayer. We could go to places of, of reading God's word. We could go to those places of having those faith conversations with others and, and spurring each other on and, and all of that sort of stuff. And that is all very true. We could certainly highlight that. But, but I want to highlight one area of in him, which I think is particularly relevant to us today. And the reason I've got a lemon tree here it's because it highlights something that I want to illustrate that I think is important around what does it mean to be in him. You see, the lemon is an amazing fruit. The lemon tree originated somewhere around China, in Asia somewhere, and, 
Uh, it's an adaptable tree. It can grow almost anywhere, apart from really, really cold climates, but it can grow just about anywhere. And it seems to grow very well around here on the Mornington Peninsula that Kate and I have noticed as we've walked around our neighbourhood. But the lemon's a really interesting fruit because it's not a fruit that you eat on its own. In, well, some people do, but, but it's not that nice, is it? It's a very sour fruit. But when you combine lemon into something else, it elevates it. It makes it taste so much better, whether it's just simply a glass of water with a slice of lemon, or maybe it's a dessert like a, a lemon meringue or a lemon pie or tart or something. It just makes the taste of it so much better. Lemons are an amazing and versatile fruit, but they need to be partnered with something. They need to go with something else. They need to have a, a relationship for the, the taste to be elevated and to be really appreciated. We've had a really hard time in the last 18 months, haven't we? With our lockdown and, and being disconnected from others, not being able to come to meet in person. And the good news is, at least it seems like it's going to be good news, is that this time that we're in now is going to come to pass. There may well be further lockdowns, but they're more likely, and from what we've been told, that they'll be, they'll be shorter and they'll be more specific and, and targeted. But certainly from November onwards, it would seem that we're going to open up again and, and we're going to get that opportunity to be with other people. One of the things when we've gone for so long where, where we've had that disconnect, where we haven't been with each other, and complimenting each other and spurring each other on, like it says in Hebrews chapter 10, to spur each other on in love and good deeds. When we haven't had that chance, we, we can sort of get out of the habit of a bit. And even the idea of coming back into it can make us feel a little bit nervous. It's, it's a strange sort of phenomena that happens. But, but I want to encourage you very deeply, actually, that as we open up again to take the opportunity to connect with other people who are on that same journey towards Jesus as you are on. To spur each other on in towards love and good deeds. To encourage each other in your faith. To grow together. Because the online stuff, it's great. And it's something that we as a church are going to keep pursuing and keep further developing. No doubt about that. It's a great entry point into the life of the church. But it doesn't replace person to person, face to face. As it says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the other. It's overdue and the time is coming where we get to come and be in each other's space again. What a great day that's going to be. And I want to encourage you, as your health allows, as it's safe to do so, to really pursue that and press into that when the opportunity presents itself. So another thing that I wanted to talk about just in finishing up, and it comes back to this lemon tree, and it's something else that Colossians really highlights as we work through the book of Colossians. Uh, lemon trees are actually served as a, a bit of a metaphor for Kate and I, actually, in our own faith journey, following Jesus to different places and different areas of ministry and so on. And what's happened is that when we first bought our home, our very first home, which was in Bayswater North, we wanted to get into gardening. And, and so we, we planted a garden. We didn't really know what we're doing, but we, we watched all the TV shows. We read the books and, and we got better at gardening. We got a really nice garden going. And 
any good garden needs to have a lemon tree in it. So we planted a lemon tree. Now we were in that house for nine years and the, the place where we planted that lemon tree, the soil there wasn't really great. It took a long time to get going. Uh, and Kate was hanging out and I was hanging out for one day. One day it's gonna produce lemons. And sure enough, eventually it did. And it did at the time that God called us from Bayswater North to Gisborne. And so we had to leave that house. We sold up and we left. And on the day we left, it had about two or three lemons on it. And we left them for the next neighbor. And then we moved to Gisborne and we rented for a little bit. And then we built a house there and we got a garden going again. And about eight years ago, we put a lemon tree in the ground again as well. We're gonna get lemons this time, we said to ourselves. And sure enough, because Gisborne is a very cool climate, it was really challenging to grow a lemon tree. We, we put it in the, the right spot, the sunniest spot in the garden. It was near a, a brick wall, so the heat could radiate off that brick wall. The soil was good, everything. We did everything right, but the, the climate was just so cold that it stunted the, the tree's growth. So it took a long time for it to get going. And eventually it did. And, and, and just last year, it started to produce lemons again. In fact, we had a bit of a bumper crop. Its first crop was really amazing. There's probably about 30 lemons on the tree that I was able to pick on the day that we left Gisborne to move to the Mornington Peninsula. And it's been a bit of a funny joke amongst us that, that wherever we land and, and, and whatever house we move into, when we get that garden going, we, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to put a lemon tree and, and we have to be here long enough to be able to get lemons this time because you know we've got to do that. It's fair to say that, uh, well, you know, we're not too upset about missing out on lemons. They're very easy to get at the shops, but, but it serves as a bit of a metaphor of what it's like or what it's been like for us to follow into God's plans and to step into what he has for us. Every time we've made that decision to follow him to a new location, a new ministry, a new place, there's been cost involved. There has. And you pay a price. But, but what we've discovered as we've moved each time is that the price that you paid is paid back so much more in terms of what God has for you and the blessing that he bestows. Now, in the last few weeks, as we've walked around the neighborhood here where we live, uh, every street, I reckon, there's one or two houses that have free lemons uh, at the front because there's this major glut of lemons going on at the moment. In fact, I've got some here. These ones were actually given to us by our neighbour. Uh, he uh, had a friend at his work that had a four lemon trees, I think, and a glut and oversupply, so he passed them on to us, which we really appreciated because we love lemons. And Kate and I have been having a bit of a joke about this because, sure, we're not experiencing the, the crop of lemons on our tree in Gisborne. We're, we're not experiencing the, the crop of lemons from our tree that we planted all those years ago in Bayswater North. But God's providing anyway. And that's what God does in abundance, overflowing more than you could ever imagine. I'm so excited to be in this Colossian series to learn more and more what it looks like to be in him. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that uh, all those years ago, over 2,000 years or about 2,000 years ago, perhaps just under 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote the letter to the Colossian church, little baby church, just starting out. And he wrote this letter and in the first eight verses, he just affirms them for the, the fruit, for what's happening. Uh, he affirms the fact that they've encountered the gospel and just as fire changes things when they are entered into the fire, so it is true when we enter into the things of you and we encounter Jesus, we are changed. 
And so, Lord, as we hold those uh, two truths today, we, we pray that you would come and be part of our own lives, that, that you would bring about the change. But not just change internally, Lord, bring about a change that produces fruit in our lives too, the fruit of faith. Lord, I pray for our church as we enter into this next season, this next season where we start to open up again in a month or so's time. And I pray that this would be a time when we can come together, that we can uh, rub into each other and sharpen each other, that we can spur each other on in love and, and good deeds. Lord, lead us on as a church, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining with us today. It's been so good to be together. Pray this week that uh, we'll encourage you this week to, to read a little bit more into Colossians. And as you do that, just pray that your faith might be strengthened, might be deepened and, and more grounded. Well, we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.